Hey everyone, welcome to the Beacon Today's podcast, Pretty Curious. My name is Sarah Roulette, and in this episode, we are pretty curious about our brains, or more specifically, our current mental state. Let's dive into sports. There's a new emphasis on safety in the NFL, born out of a particularly harsh injury in the 2017 season, and separately, new research on concussions and brain damage in the football world. The NFL rolled out a new policy this year that's causing a lot of controversy. When I was growing up, I was always taught to wear a helmet when I rode a bike, no matter how far the distance was. But as I got older, I realized that the thing that my parents thought would protect me from anything is just plastic and a little bit of padding. So if I was somehow hit by a car, my head might be protected, but the rest of my body would be injured. Instead of adding emphasis to wearing my helmet, why not add more protection to the rest of my vital bones and organs? With all this being said, the point I'm trying to get at is that the NFL is at that point where emphasis on head-to-head contact is very important. I'm Alex Pimentel, and I'll be explaining both sides of the argument on this new NFL rule change and what it has to do with mental health. The new rule states, quote, a player will be penalized 15 yards and potentially ejected any time he lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. It will apply to tacklers, ball carriers, and even linemen, and will take the place of a previous rule that limited the penalty to contact with the crown of the helmet. First, the player's argument. The rule change has caused some talk for some players. But the most outspoken is San Francisco 49ers all-pro defensive back Richard Sherman, who states, It's an idiotic rule, so it's no need to even go down that road. There's no way you can tackle in a way that they're asking people to tackle and play football. Which in reality makes sense, because if you have ever played football or even learned how to tackle, players get taught to lean in with their shoulder, but it is very difficult to get your head out of the way when someone is being tackled. The idea of why sports fans like the NFL so much compared to other sports is because of the physicality of the game, which has to include tackling and blocking, which has to happen with contact. One other rule that the NFL has changed that has hurt defensive players mostly is the roughing the passer call. This has been brought to light for the past couple weeks by Green Bay Packers linebacker Clay Matthews, who for three weeks has been called for roughing the passer. For those that do not know, roughing the passer is when a defensive player hits a quarterback about two to three seconds after the ball is thrown. But the flag that was thrown at Matthews was not for hitting the quarterback late. Rather, it is for using his helmet to initiate contact hitting his shoulder pad, which is what football players are taught to do. Matthews has spoken out and said this. The idea that the NFL is trying to control the safety of the players so that no one gets hurt is something that might bite them back in the future because it has taken the physicality part out of football. The National Football League needs to remember that the players may bring in a lot of revenue, but this is also their job. Now, the safety perspective. Over the past few years, a number of former players have committed suicide after battling depression. Afterwards, they gave their brains to science, and upon examination, they showed telltale signs of CTE. Scientists don't yet have a way of diagnosing CTE for sure besides doing an autopsy. So apart from the 50 deceased former players confirmed to have it, they can only suspect that hundreds more are living with it right now. An article written by the New York Times explains that neuropathologists examined 111 NFL brains, and 110 of them had chronic traumatic encephalopathy. I can't say that word. Give it your best shot. Encephalopathy. Also known as CTE. It's a progressive degenerative brain disease. It is like Alzheimer's. It can start with memory loss, mood swings, and difficulty in concentration, developing into progressive dementia, even possible thoughts of suicide. CTE is caused by repetitive blows to the head. The symptoms include memory loss, confusion, depression, and dementia. 
Out of the 110 brains that were analyzed, 44 of them were linemen, which are people who are in the trenches of the play who get the most contact. The NFL rule change says that the, that tackling needs to be stopped with head-to-head -head contact for obvious reasons. For example, the play that Julian Edelman was involved during Super Bowl 49. But the NFL never talks about changing the rules of how offensive and defensive linemen engage. My advice to the NFL is instead of adding more rules to protect ball, ball carriers, add them to other parts of the game so it stops other players from getting injured. I got the opportunity to sit down with Emily, a college sophomore who grew up playing sports, and we talked about the role that sports played in her mental health throughout her life. I played um, multiple different sports. I was a softball player, soccer player, and a basketball player, mm -hmm. um, and I had a lot of different injuries. I had um, stress fractures, concussions, um, broken fingers, just like a lot of things that limited me from playing um, from like middle school until like really the end of high school um and a lot of it just like it took a toll on me as a person um emotionally and not just physically like I gained a lot of weight I um I wasn't able to do a lot of the things that I love to do mm -hmm. um I grew up like in a home that was very much surrounded by sports my dad's a baseball coach he's a football ref like mm -hmm. all of my aunts and uncles like coach or um are athletic directors so there's just a lot of pressure on sports and I'm one of the only girls in the family too so like a lot of my um like intention and like purpose I found was in sports and like a lot of all of my passion went towards it um, and I struggled, like, with depression because of, um, I was in a wheelchair for over a year, uh, oh. when I was in eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade, mm -hmm. um, and I was in the hospital because of it, um, and I struggled with the depression, and then going into, like, more of high school, I developed, like, anxiety, um, and it was coming from, one, from sports, and two, from, like, this just different surrounding like the things surrounding my life right. um and then last uh, semester my second semester freshman year um I suffered a really bad concussion from a bad car accident and that um kind of like created this anxiety that I had never faced before yeah. um and it took me out of just even working out and like really lowered my self-esteem and made it so I was really unable to participate in all things that I was passionate about, no matter what it was, even going to church, just like the simplest things. Like I didn't go to class last semester really. Um, and so like a lot of what I've like had to deal with even in the recent months is PTSD um, from the car accident, um, anxiety, um, and even depression. And like, it brings back the feelings that I've had ever since it started when I was younger from sports. <laughs> Do you know a lot of people, like, friends of yours going through similar things like this? Like, kind of losing your purpose because you're out for a season or struggling with that? Because I know that, like, that happens a lot. I see volleyball players on crutches all the time, and yeah. they can't, obviously they can't play, so. Yeah. Um, just even in, like, recent conversations with friends who are athletes that have struggled with concussions or different injuries, it's, like, they see a difference in who they are because it's a part of them that is taken away. Right. And um, it's something that I think because I've had so much time to heal from it, I have like, kind of can see the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And also being, like, a coach's daughter, I, like, hear a lot of the stories of his athletes and like how they will tear a ligament in their leg or something and it will take them out of 
their favorite sport for the rest of their life and it's something that you have to come to terms with because a lot of times people put their identity in sports I think because it's something that they have control over really to make themselves better or stay like consistent right. and so I think like in even in recent conversations like people um, just really struggle with finding like who they are outside of sports. Tonight, new concerns about the mental health of college students on campuses all over the country. Schools are dealing with more students needing mental health help. If you have a child in college, you should check in with them on a regular basis. One in three college freshmen report some kind of mental health disorder, whether that be major depression, general anxiety, or panic disorders. Between 2009 and 2015, the number of students visiting counseling centers increased by 30% on average while college enrollment was only increasing by 6%. In 2017 spring, nearly 40% of students reported feeling so depressed that they could hardly function, and 61% of students said that they had felt overwhelming anxiety. The average university has one counselor for every 1,737 students. This information was taken from a recent Time article titled, Record Numbers of College Students Are Seeking Treatment for Depression and Anxiety, But Schools Can't Keep Up. In this article, the statistics are staggering. Time also explores the steps that colleges are taking around the nation to accommodate for the students' mental health problems. For example, Pennsylvania State University allocated roughly $700,000 in additional funding for counseling and psychological services in 2017 alone, citing a dramatic increase in the demand for care over the past 10 years. Ohio State University added a dozen mental health clinicians during the 2016 to 2017 academic year. There's a major issue here in the college world. Unfortunately, there isn't really a conclusion to the matter. It just seems that college students undergo a ton of laser-focused, lonely stress. It seems that exposing the problem is the first step to conquering it. All right, and one last topic we want to cover here. Kurt Cobain was the lead singer of the group Nirvana. Their albums were bestsellers, their songs filled with images of despair and violence. And then this morning, his body found at home, another casualty of success. Jimi Hendrix, Marilyn Monroe, Kurt Cobain, Michael Jackson, Amy Winehouse, Whitney Houston, Chris Kelly, Prince, Chris Cornell, Avicii, and Mac Miller. What do all these musical artists have in common? Mental health problems. These are some of the names of the musicians who have lost their life either due to intentional suicide or substance abuse. I'm Michaela Payne and I'll be talking to you about the music industry and mental health. With the recent death of the rapper Mac Miller, people across the nation have begun to become re-aware to the state of many of these celebrities' mental health. Here's what one of Mac Miller's fans had to say about his death. So then how did you react uh, when he passed away? Uh, I actually found out from my brother who introduced me to him, and I was in class. But as class ended, I kind of saw more interviews on it, and... I was definitely shocked. I didn't really think it was real. I thought maybe he'd come back from it. Um, I really felt for his family more than anything. And then it kind of became, I guess, dealing with it on a daily basis, realizing that somebody I had looked up to for so long was actually dead. Even if it is not a suicide, it reflects a mental state that he was in as a musician by turning to drugs and alcohol. Many people would not blame his career for a result in this, but instead his ex-girlfriend Ariana Grande. 
but his recently ex-girlfriend explains that the end of their relationship was because of his problem. His mental health affected every aspect of his life, not just his career. In a statement from Ariana Grande reads, I tried to support his sobriety and prayed for his balance for years, but had to get out of this toxic relationship. University of Westminster in London did a study in 2016 regarding the mental health of this industry and came up with these results. Of the roughly 2,200 people who participated in the survey, 71% said they had experienced anxiety or panic, and 68.5% depression. That compares with a nationwide average of 17% of people ages 16 and over having anxiety or depression. An astounding number of people, almost three quarters in this industry, have struggled with mental health. Other research echoes these results in the New York Times article that reads, In 2016, researchers in Norway found that musicians were three times more likely to be in therapy than the general workforce. One more from Music SW tells us, In Australia, a recent study found that 25% of musicians and over 50% of the industry workers have attempted or considered suicide. And on that average, musicians live far shorter lives than our non-musician counterparts. A musician's job is 24 hours a day, making music, producing music, promoting themselves, sending out content, traveling on tours, and all trying to maintain an image that record labels and fans like. They must constantly be on their act in order to succeed. This results in anxiety for the odd artist and endless pressures to be the best. All the while, the average musician makes half the salary of an average middle-aged worker. On top of those pressures, the labels don't do anything to help. Managers don't want to share the mental status of their clients because it destroys their image. So the musicians struggle to process and deal with their emotions because they are forced to keep them in. It's either covered up or opposite. Their mental health issues are turned into public entertainment or even worse, vilification. Overall, the music industry is very destructive as the artists are constantly being corrected, reprimanded, and having their work torn down. An article in the Variety magazine says that the music business is the human business. These individuals are precious and our negligence when handling them should have changed 25 years ago after Kurt Cobain's tragic suicide. Instead, we are all still wondering which creative genius might go next. It is a crazy concept that music making is therapeutic, but making a career out of music is destructive. <laughs>